Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the MedVets. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Sean Jones Quaidu, aka Dr. JQ, who will be joining us today to talk about everything from family, patience, and passion, basically giving us an overall perspective of a surgeon's work-life balance, but not only just for surgeons, but for patients as well. So if you haven't done so, make sure you subscribe. Thanks for listening. The force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. Good afternoon, MedVet listeners. I'm here in the Camera Social Studios with Dr. SJQ Sean Jones Quaidu. Did I get that right? You did, yes, excellent, yes. Excellent, excellent. And I got KP, my counterpart, on the side with me today as well. So, Dr. JQ, thank you for joining us today. Yes, and, and actually, thank you for acknowledging and making sure you had the name right. There are a lot of complex names that mm-hmm. people can say, uh, so don't fear it. You, you can do it, and, um, and, and I applaud your, your bravery there. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. JQ, is that fine if I call you yeah, that? Excellent. absolutely, yes. So, you're a spine surgeon in Dallas area. How did you get into that? Can you mind telling the listeners a little bit about your background and how you became a spine surgeon and um, and really what, what the career means to you as an individual? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, gosh, we, we can go all the way back. I, I'm, I'm one of these uh, fortunate people who is uh, living living his dream, but but it, I guess you could say it kind of even started uh, back in grade school. I said I'd like to be a pilot, an engineer, a doctor, and work for the CIA. Hmm. And, uh, probably a lot of that came about because I lived in the Washington, D.C. area. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was exposed to a lot of uh, government agencies, what have you. Um, so uh, uh, my undergrad training is in engineering. I did go to University of Maryland and uh, got a bioengineering degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I am now a doctor. Uh, I did want to get a pilot's license, but uh, it's interesting, as I got older and had children and recognized uh, life insurance policies change if you become a pilot, <laughs> I wasn't able to do that. And uh, and I actually can't tell you if I work for the CIA. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm have to use that one. I like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. But uh, but no. So really, my my passion uh, really is about philanthropy and and helping people. And so that kind of just evolved into medicine. I, I tell you right now, if I weren't a doctor, I would still very much be about trying to help people. Um, but God has blessed me with uh, a talent and the skill to be a surgeon. And while I was going through medical school, um, I really entered medical school not sure or having a fixed idea about what kind of physician, again, with my goals to be a philanthropist, um, I was gonna achieve that. Mm-hmm. Well, with, with training, I, I just really fell in love with surgery and uh, found orthopedics while in medical school and uh, really put in the time and dedication to to hone my skills and and approach those uh, attendings and mentors, uh, ultimately able to get into a great training program at the University of Virginia, where I did my orthopedic training. Mm-hmm. Uh, fabulous institution, fabulous uh, town, Charlottesville, Virginia. And then um, upon completing that, I went to Leatherman Spine uh, Fellowship in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, that was interesting for me. I was an East Coast guy most of my life. And uh, Louisville was just an amazing, amazing town. Uh, I happen to be Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, so a Roman Catholic town. And, and uh, we had a young family there. And 
it was just warm and welcoming from the, the city, the town itself. Um, our neighbors, when we first moved in, brought us baked goods. Okay. Um, how, how long were you in Kentucky? Did, um, just, just for a year. Did you so, check out the Derby? I, I did. Okay. I had <laughs> okay. and, and that particular year, it landed on my birthday, so that was pretty oh, cool, wow. too. Okay. Yeah, okay. so I was able to experience that. And um, um, I'm talking so much about the town, but let me tell you, the training was tremendous. Um, mm. Ton of uh, surgical cases that I was in, um, my attendings there, just fabulous individuals, great mentors, and uh, really, really allowed me to hone my skills, so much so that when I uh, completed fellowship uh, with God by my side, and of course the training I had, I had the confidence to, to step out into practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started here in Dallas, Texas, and have been here ever since. Uh, I've been blessed to, to care for many, many, many patients, um, and uh, hope to continue to do so moving forward. Well, That's great. I'm excited to have you here. I've heard great things about you, excellent reviews. All the patients seem to love you. So that's, 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 that's kudos to that. You know? So fortunate, I believe in earning it each time. Each <laughs> so speaking about that, you know, talking about the different reviews, you know, we've noticed a shift as far as, you know, how patients are being referred. Back when, you know, I was in my early days, patients were being reviewed based off of who you know. You sure. Know, you know, a friend, a family member. How do you feel about, um, you know, reviews on Google and, and Yelp and how does it impact your practice? Sure. So I, I think that modernization of our world and how people get information continues to evolve. And it has evolved due to the Internet and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, these operations that allow online review, whether it be Google review, health grades, vitals, mm-hmm. things of that nature. It's interesting that. Unfortunately, these, these reviews can be gamed. Mm-hmm. But but before talking about the, the bad side, the good side of this is it gives people somewhere to start. True. Oftentimes, patients just don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm honored and I'm flattered. You guys have heard of my reputation and what have you. But really from who? Is it is it someone who has an interest in seeing me succeed but really doesn't necessarily worry about your outcomes? Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, that you would hope no one would be like that. But... To be to be frank, there are there are bad actors out there, hmm. but I think the the online review is is at least a starting place to say, hey, is this person someone the majority of people think are okay, mm-hmm. or majority of people think stay away from? Yeah, um, there there's always going to be someone who's disgruntled. You can't keep everyone happy, but if, but if if the if the bias towards this person is okay, I think that that's a great place to start. There don't depend only on that, um, and and then also uh, for patients. Even if they were to meet a doctor based on online reviews, it's okay to get second opinions. Mm-hmm. It's okay, um, but on on the dark side of that, people game the system. They they pay individuals to write reviews and to to up the number of mm-hmm. reviews on their account, uh, which can be fictitious. And so there too, this is why I say it's okay to meet the doctor and see if the the personality matches the review, mm-hmm. right? So so mm-hmm. if you hear doctor spends a lot of time with you. They're compassionate. They, they, they really want you to, to understand and, and, and be involved in the decision-making. But you go there, mm-hmm. and the doctor, you barely see their face. They're moving so fast, and you don't even get a real sense of your problem. And they're out. Well, the review's not consistent with the individual, right? Yeah, good point. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you, you have to, to kind of look at it from that standpoint. I, I've been told, for example, many patients, like, just like your review, you you've you've demonstrated or delivered like you said you would, and and that's because our reviews are organic and genuine. Yeah, it, it's really driven by the patients out there. 
Um, and, and so I, I take pride in that. And I would encourage any person, again, comparing reviews, uh, to, to, to look at the, the quality of the review. And then sometimes you do have to go, but you don't have to sign up for the surgery or the procedure. Yeah, you know, just go meet, really go meet the man. Go meet the man or woman. And see if it really uh, is, is consistent. I hear that. I hear that. So as a spine surgeon, really you're extremely busy. How do you manage family time? Um, so I tell you, I'm, I'm fortunate in, in that I, I once thought I was going to go into academic medicine, and my hat off to all of those trailblazers in the specialty of orthopedics and spine who are who are leading our industry, writing the papers, and doing those things. I I, I once too had a hmm. uh, uh, what, what is academic medicine? Just a great great, great, know. great question. Those okay. that are at the university level who are not only treating patients but but writing the papers, uh, doing the research mm-hmm. to to advance our field. Okay, um, um, necessary mm-hmm. is how we. Uh, uh, how we have evidence-based medicine. Mm-hmm. Like what, 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 are, what, what do we really see? What's really going on? Or did we just think this is the case and this would be the outcome? Yep. Like we really study it. Okay. Um, I had a strong interest in that. In fact, I did an additional year of research um, at University of Virginia. Um, one reason I did not ultimately go into academic medicine, and it wasn't for the lack of love for uh, the specialty, but more so my desire to really, really be a involved father mm-hmm. and it has to be time consuming to do it it can Both. be it can be mm-hmm. and not not naming any particular physician but we we would say in our specialty in, in medicine in general the the draw of the podium to be yeah. on the podium doing the speeches writing the papers and going to all the meetings can detract from the family so let's even talk about years ago because it's easier to talk about the past than it is contemporaries because maybe some have figured it out but in the past <laughs> in the past uh, many doctors were estranged from their children mm-hmm. and the children would say that the doctor would say that career was was paramount mm-hmm. and, and and that's true outside of medicine but mm-hmm. with that thought um i really had a strong desire not to be estranged from my boys and so i made a conscious choice to to go into private practice and control a bit more of my destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being said, I also was willing to have less financially, yeah. uh, do less productively, excuse mm-hmm. me, do less productively, and ultimately make sure I could balance the work and the family. Yeah. And so I finish my day and I'm taking my boys to their sports. I come home and make sure their homework is done. I sit up at night and read with my youngest son to make sure he's reading fluently. Mm-hmm. Now, now, mom's doing these things too, don't get me wrong, yeah. but, but I don't want it to all be mom, and I don't mm-hmm. want their, their memory of mom did all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a, a true act of desire to be present in those moments. Uh, I, I, I recognize there will be a time where those boys, the young boys, don't need me anymore, mm-hmm. and, but, but when they do, I want to be present and available. Yeah. And so I, I divvy it up. Um, more to the point, how am I doing this? Well, I'm fortunate that I, I do have my own practice. And, and I tell you, if I, even if I were employed, I'd, I'd be a stellar employee. Mm-hmm. But I would take what time is mine and, and make sure I'm, I'm giving it to, the, to my family. Um, and so with, with that being said, it's, uh, it's something that you actively have to work at. It's, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not easy. I don't yeah. want to make it imply that it no, is easy for me to do. But uh, it is something I actively manage uh, to this day. Well, yeah, I applaud you on that. I don't have any kids. I know KP, you do, and I don't think the listeners know that, right? So, 
I, so you can put him on the spot right yeah, now. Of course, so. I am because you know your situation is different too, right? <laughs> it is different because you know I don't I don't mind. All the ladies out there, yeah. If you didn't know, now high, you know. So man, okay. And, and you know, so yes, listeners, I do have a 15 year old daughter. Yeah, you do, so, yeah. right? And, and your situation is different because you're you're a traveling parent. You know what I mean, right? So talk about that a little bit. You know, move your move to Dallas, having your daughter. In Houston, if you don't mind. Oh, man. Okay. Um, if you don't mind. No. Nah, How do you manage? Not at all. So, I managed, you know, I made that transition from Houston to Dallas, knowing that I still wanted to be a part of my daughter's life. Yeah. You know, growing up with, you know, what we call, you know, father, you know, being a Rolling Stone, not really being being active. I made that transition, but I knew that I will drive, you know, every two weeks, every three weeks to go see her. Mm-hmm. And the way that we have it arranged, um, we co-parent very well. You know, um, my daughter, her name is Kennedy. I get her every summer, get her every spring break, so I make sure that I'm active in her life. Mm-hmm. One of the things that helped me was technology. You know, her having an iPhone, I can FaceTime, you know, her without going through her mother. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a challenge not having her here um, all the time. But I did love it. Because of COVID, because of COVID, she was able to school remotely, yeah. and so she was here in Dallas with me for, you know, weeks at a time, and then she'll go back with her mother. But it, it's a challenge. But you know, with utilizing technology, it does help, and just really having a good way to co-parent um, with her mother helps also. I hear that, and the reason the reason I ask because you know, family we all know family is super important, right? And it's important to have that support. So. Now, for all the listeners, I want, you know, if you are a patient or someone, Dr. JQ, explain the importance of having a family member involved in that process, right? Like from the beginning to start. How how do you see it as a physician? What's the importance of having family there to be supportive as gathering information or just supportive as like, you know, hey, I got your back, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think, I think you, you, you described it very well in that supportive just even to have their back. Mm -hmm. Um, Many a times... Uh, majority of patients, uh, 80 to 90% of, 80 to 90% of patients who come in to see me don't actively need surgery immediately at that time. Okay. We can get them better with physical therapy, mm-hmm. activity modification, sometimes injections. So, mm-hmm. so everyone doesn't result in having to need surgery. For those that do need surgery, well, spine surgery can be very scary. I mean, whether it be, um, a, a little bit of a, a disc bulge and you just need to clean out the disc, and it's a small surgery to a very complex reconstruction of the spine with implants, screws, rods, things of that nature. Um, either either or, I mean, many people have heard about bad outcomes, or, or you know, I hear if you have a spine surgery, you, you're never the same. Uh, but unfortunately, they aren't always aware of all the people who do great. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so I think uh, uh, a support mechanism, another, another person there to hear it with them, to, to get over that sticker shock and also help with the, the fear <laughs> yeah. aspect is, is, is uh, very helpful. Um, so so much so that even in my practice, um, when I'm signing someone up from surgery, I'm, I'm reading so many things, body language, tone, if they were conversing before, did they suddenly get quiet? Like, mm-hmm. what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, and so if ever we're discussing surgery, uh, I will encourage patients to bring back a family member for another mm-hmm. visit, mm-hmm. whether that be at the preoperative visit where they would have already known their date of surgery and everything, but they get another opportunity to talk to me about the surgery prior to the actual surgical day, or if I schedule a specific visit, 
uh, just for the family member to come in. So that's something we emphasize in my practice. And, uh, and then there's also the, the aspect of, do I really feel like they get it? Now, I make no judgments about individuals' uh, ability to understand, but if anyone gives me the hint of not fully comprehending the magnitude of a surgery, either I won't do it mm. or I won't do it without them bringing someone in. Okay. Yeah. Not, but, not and, a lot of physicians are like that. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 but that, that, that goes back to being God-fearing, but also I, I really, really try to take care of patients the way I would want them to take care of myself and my family. Mm. And so I treat patients like family. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna attack my mother. I'm not gonna do something to my mother without her giving me a sense of, you're good with this. Yeah. And, and when they hesitate or they, so what are you gonna do? And this and that, I really hone in and like, hey, why don't we slow this down? Come back in with your family member, your daughter, your husband, whomever, and uh, let's really go through this. And I, over the years, I've, I've never lost sleep having done that. It, mm-hmm. it, it may delay a surgery. For all, I don't, I don't, I've never lost a surgery for it, but, but I, I'd be okay if I lost a surgery for it. Like, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. yeah. attack someone yeah. Or, yeah. or do something to them, and they wake up and like, what just happened to me? A story that I've told the patients, and, I, and I'll share with you briefly to, to understand how serious I am about that. I met a patient years ago who she needed a reconstruction of her spine and I needed to go through her abdomen mm-hmm. and her back. We call that a, a front and back spine fusion surgery or a 360 fusion. Okay. Um, this individual described, after I, after I told her the surgery, she said, so so you have to go through my belly? And I said, yeah, yeah, if I do. And I said, hey, I see you're a bit uncomfortable. Why don't you come on back with your significant other, family member, mother, daughter? And she said, okay, I'll come back with my husband. So I had her come back with her husband, mm-hmm. explained everything again, went over the imaging, the surgery, everything. Um, and at the end of that visit, the husband says he understands, he gets it, looks to her, she says, I get it. And I said, all right, any other thoughts or questions? She said, so so you have to go to my belly? <laughs> so she yeah. says it again. Yeah, and I said, wow, yeah, I do, but... but you reassured me, and he's here, that you, you get it. So we're good, right? We're good. She goes on for a preoperative clearance, mm-hmm. and to, to my word, I see them back once more, like right before the surgery. She really kind of like signed all the paperwork, yeah. things of that nature. Um, at that visit, guess what she asked me? I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah. You're going to go through my belly. Yeah. She did. And did that make you uncomfortable? Like So uncomfortable. Yeah. And I told her that. I said, listen, did, for, for us to proceed, there has to be a certain level of trust. You need to have confidence and trust in me, and I need to have confidence and trust in you. And I don't feel like you're grasping what I'm going to do to you. Yeah. I don't think that's fair to you. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I'm going to decline to proceed with this surgery. Mm-hmm. How, does she, how, does she, how does she handle that? They, they were taken aback, yeah. for certain. Yeah. Um, they said, so, so you're not going to do the surgery? And I said, you're not going to do the surgery because... She doesn't express that she fully understands. I said, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. I, I feel like I feel like I'd be attacking her. She's gonna wake up from surgery. Yeah. And and if she were to ask me what happened to me, I I would be baffled. Yeah. How did we how did we get to this point? Yeah. And I don't have the confidence that she's she's grasping. So I declined. Now, that is a rare, rare, rare type of event. And, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe there's some underlying issues that I don't know um there, but 
um, I did my best to try and understand. I did my best to try and help her understand. Yeah. And ultimately, I felt it was safer for her to, to possibly get her care elsewhere. That's where, yeah, man. That's a good story. That is a great story. No, and, and you <laughs> know, I, I say that because, you know, we've had a discussion before as far as getting a family member involved with different, you know, surgical procedures because anybody comes from the doc's office, they're going to talk it over with their family member. It's not mm -hmm. a decision that they're going to make on it by themselves. And so they do include family. So we're always talking about um, getting family involved. I'm going to put you on the spot now, you know, when you had your LASIK procedure. Yeah. So Marcus is kind of blind, so he can't really see. So... Um, I had to go with him to a uh, procedure, and when he went to his appointments, everything was fine. You know, he got did everything on his own. I went there, you know, for his procedure, and, you know, when he left, he couldn't see. Mm -hmm. um, he had to take certain medication, mm -hmm. and I wasn't aware of what he had to take. The mm -hmm. doctor explained everything um, to him, Certainly. but, you know, so I think he couldn't, he had to wear the glasses for about a good 24 hours. And I'm like, if you can't see, how do you know what medication you're putting in your eye? Mm -hmm. And so that's where we talked about it's good to kind of have a family involved with Absolutely. these procedures because, Absolutely. you know, we're, I kind of look at it as a sponsor. You know, like, hey, I want to make sure whatever you know, I need to know as well. Mm -hmm. I need to be your, I need to be on the bench. You know, you're one of the starting five. I need to be on the bench so I can know, hey, I know my role to where I know the plays. I know your medication, put them in. And so family plays a big part and you know no i agree and, well, well well said and and that, and i definitely think especially since family family are involved in the aftercare they, they yeah. should be aware of what's going on beforehand so they can prepare themselves and so i i, I absolutely encourage it um at times it does cause me to be delayed in clinic but i will even allow them to call the family member on the phone yeah. that's how, how much mm -hmm. i'm like hey let's they're gonna be involved in your care. Yeah. Let's get them on the line. Let's let's figure this out. Mm -hmm. Especially 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 our elderly patients. Um, I love them to death. I know many of you out there who may be listening. You say I don't want to burden my son or daughter. I hear that a lot. <laughs> they're they're busy. I don't want to burden them. Um, and I try to remind them. Nope. This is the time to burden them. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, you raised them. You you need a hand now. It's yeah. It's time to call it in. All right. And and I hey. You might call him on the phone now. Oh, I'm not sure available. And then I talk to him. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to pick up that phone. Yeah, you're going to pick up that phone. I encourage you to call him. Let's call him. Uh -huh. yeah. So I do do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, just a little short of note to all the listeners. You know, KP, he may sound like he's been a, a nice and wholesome brother when he took care of me, but I do remember <laughs> him making me walk into the wrong car because I couldn't see and taking the full advantage of me not seeing. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have that on video, too. Yeah. Well, that's just bro so, part of bro brotherly love, It right? is, it is, it is. All right, so outside outside of work, you know, I know it's probably some studies are, are stressful, maybe more so than the other. How do you find your balance and your peace, you know, um, outside of work and family? Sure, sure. So um, something I do regularly uh, is uh, I exercise in the gym. Uh, I, I don't I don't do it to, to body build or, mm -hmm. or anything like that. I really try to stay lean and uh, tone. Part of that is also to allow me to keep up with the rigors of my job. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a short case could be an hour, but but a long case could be six to eight hours, and so that takes stamina wow, yeah. to be able to be able to do that. And um, I work out. Listen, a good week for me, this to give you perspective, 
if I can work out twice in a week, that that's doing good. Okay. Right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not trying to imply I'm getting to it uh, every day, but it get, but then again, I'm also trying to do something every day. So if I'm not able to get to the to weights, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm trying to do a little bit of cardio okay. uh, throughout the week. Now I find that very uh, uh, I don't want to say relaxing. I mean, lifting weights can be intense, but but that is my 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 release. That's mm-hmm. my my area where um, I'm I'm kind of tuned out. I'm listening to, uh, we talked a little about music before the radio show. I'm listening to my Washington, D.C. Uh, go-go music. So shout out to anyone uh, from the Washington, D.C. area that knows about go-go music. Uh, but certainly love my, my R&B and hip-hop as well. And uh, uh, also my reggae. My reggae music is in uh, um, full blast sometimes as mm. I uh, work out. But that that's my time for myself. I also um, enjoy sitting back and, and watching my, my young guys play. I love watching sports. And uh, I have three little boys, and they, they play a fair amount of sports. But watching them uh, as their turn arrives, whether it be baseball or playing on team sports such as basketball, and watching them grow as athletes has just been exhilarating for me. Um, I, I I nearly enjoyed it as much as watching the college and, and the pro oh, sport. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Do you um? <clears throat> did you like? When they were born, did you have a decision like, yeah, I, I, you know, my son has to play basketball. Did you kind of let them find their own way? Oh, totally, totally let them find their own way. Okay. But, but but here's here's the thing. I'm I'm big on exposure, but but I I don't feel so so. There's there can be strong encouragement from a parent, but you mm. can't you can't make a child play well if they don't if they don't find <laughs> yeah. their own fire and their own desire, yeah. right? So 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 I have no I have no desire to fight someone to yeah. play baseball, basketball or soccer. Yeah. They, you know, they, they kinda need to have that, that innate desire of like, I will show up for the practice, mm-hmm. I will play. Um because I remember it was a child, I'll, I'll leave him out, but <laughs> who, who, uh, when he was very young, um, we showed up at a soccer game, and it was just kind of like nudge to like, well, 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 go out there, get get out there, and he wouldn't. And so w- w- he doesn't know it now. I mean, we were talking like three or four, but you know, there was a year and a half where he didn't play sports because we can't force yeah. you. Anyone <laughs> do it? Anyone do it? But um, but he's back in full swing. He's a great athlete. But uh, there was a time where that just wasn't his thing. Man. Uh, but yeah. So but now they're all they're all doing their sports, and it, again, it's it's just great to watch. I hear that. Did you play any sports growing up? Um. So so I did. Uh, jokingly, I I will tell you, I played I played basketball. I played probably more street mm. basketball. Okay. Than I did organized basketball. Blacktop. Blacktop, there you yeah, go. And, yeah. and and so, in fact, maybe you could co-sign this, because I tell my kids this all the time. I was a better street baller than I was an organized basketball. Like, I, I fouled too much when it came to a ref out there. Uh, <laughs> I tell them every time, you get six fouls. Yeah. I'm going to get my six fouls. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. so I, I, I fouled too much. But but if it was about street ball, and, and please don't let this be a reflection on me as a no. I'm not that guy now, but but uh, but as a, as a street baller, I could take someone's lunch money, you know? But but if it's organized balls, eh, you know, yeah. I'm going to foul out. I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> Man, man, yeah, KP, man, he definitely. I tell you, he don't. He doesn't need a ref to play basketball because he he fouls all the time. Yeah, all get, the time. I get six fouls. But but, so. but 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 how important is that if if the boy's not to play that way, right? They yeah. could take a hit yeah. and still drive to the hole. Mm-hmm. Like I think all of that's important. It is. You know, is. I'm watching my youngest now. 
cry about every little slap Man. on the hand. And I'm like, listen, you got to make that shot even if they come in at That's hand. true. It's that a, is it's true. A, it's a different structure. You know, we played a couple of times, and you start, I'm mouth off at people. Yeah. You know, you're like, KP, calm down. Like, yo, this is. That's the way ball. we played. Yeah. 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 So at the end of the, the game, we go have a beer or something like that. Yeah. During, during the game. During you know, I, I came up during the era. Like, you remind me of Patrick Beverly, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got you to think about Gary Payton. Yeah, I came okay, around that club. time frame where yeah. you know, GP was, you know, he had a mouth on him. He had a mouth on him. Yeah. And and so, you know, I, I remember watching my eldest play mm-hmm. ball, and, and now he talks talks a little smack out there, has a little swagger, and he's backing it up. But yeah. I remember when he was quiet, didn't do anything. I was like, look, you got to drive to the hole, take the hit, this and that. Now, part of his evolution was... He got a little bulk on him, got a little muscle yeah. on him. But he recognized, like, I don't need to be timid out here. This mm-hmm. is game time. Yeah, true. And I reminded him, that's your house. Man. Go handle your business. I hear that. I hear <laughs> that. All right, so now we're talking about sports. And sometimes, you know, sometimes when you get a sports, you get injured. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people now, just not off an of injury from sports, but a lot of people nowadays, I know, I'm in my uh, 30s, and, you know, from here, from there on out, you know, you hear all these cracks, pops, and snaps, sure, right? Sure, So, a lot of people, they're, they're fearful, like you said, of getting spine surgery. They don't want it, but, you know, sometimes, like me, I just started running, you kind of get these lower back pains. Sure. So, can you just let some of the listeners know, what is the difference just between a lower back pain, where it's just pain, and when you should go see a surgeon like yourself, between a herniated disc. Okay, okay. Let's tr- let's try to uh, and, break and, that up. And, yeah, let bit. me know if you, even those are even the comparison. No, no, no. Okay. The, uh, f- first of all, w- what you just asked is, is valid, even if it were correct, right? Okay. It's, it's about okay. what the, the, the patient or yourself. True. What, what, this is what's going through your head. My mm-hmm. my goal or what I should be trying to do is decipher this, okay. help you understand where, where <laughs> things fit and, and yeah. how to manage that, mm-hmm. right? You, you aren't... Coming to me because you knew it all. You yeah. came to me to get better and get help. Very true. So, so Very I, true. I think patients should should be able to ask the questions the way they see fit. Um, I to to kind of break that down a little bit. Let's let's take that in some parts here. Mm-hmm. As we get older, the body externally, what we see, the wrinkles on our face, the aging lines, what have you, and then internally, it's changing as well. Mm-hmm. If we if we listen to our body and work with it, we can adapt. So so I think. Individuals need to, right, to, right. To, to recognize that, right? Because mm-hmm. there's this sentiment of, like, I used to be able to do this, do that, <laughs> and, and it's hard to let go. So change is, change is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I treat a lot of athletes, ex-athletes and active athletes or weekend warriors even. Mm-hmm. It's about modification of the activity. If you're a runner, maybe don't run on the concrete, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have any give. Maybe take it to a track mm-hmm. that has give. Make sure you're, you're modifying or changing your shoes out as they wear out mm-hmm. and, uh, and kind of finding those ways of, of keeping the body going. Also, uh, look at your, your recovery time. I mean, if someone's doing something every day for, for many, many miles, uh, if, if it starts to hurt at mile five, Maybe that's your body telling you that's, that's your that's your yeah. threshold. Yeah. Now you might say, well, but I'm, I'm competing to do this. Well, you either got to then figure out what you can modify. Mm-hmm. What what are changeable things you could do to keep going another five miles on top of that, or you got to accept that the body is giving you its threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, when people do have aches and pains, well, there's post workout muscle soreness that could come on two three days afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it's really about what what lasts, what persists. So 
aches and pains that don't resolve after several days, three, four days, with activity modification or even a Tylenol or, or, or an NSAID, ibuprofen, emotional relief, then you start to say, well, well this isn't going away, mm-hmm. okay? Because in that, in that early time frame, the body's going to have its aches and pains and it goes away. Yeah. But it's when it persists that that becomes more of a problem. I'm still not yet saying that's when you need to come see a spine surgeon. For sure. But that's when you might start to say, you okay. Might recognize it. Right, 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 recognize it. But, but, don't, but don't overreact that the day one hurt, day two hurt. Okay. okay. Now, let's qualify that a bit more. We're talking about aches. Now, I'm not talking about your arm is limp and you can't move it or your, your, your leg can't lift. Now, that's, that's, that's a functional deficit. Okay. You can't, you can't lift your leg. That's the problem. Um, someone might ask, well, what about when the back pain is so severe you don't want to get out of bed? I get it. Really tight muscles in the low back. Day one, again, ibuprofen, mm-hmm. motion leave, low ice. Give it a little time. By day two, you should be able to move a little bit better. Day three, a little bit better. But if you're, like, stuck in bed for three days... I'll give you, hey, something's not quite right. Yeah. You should have progressively gotten a little bit better each day if you adjust, adjusted your activity. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that becomes more of a red flag. So, again, the arm's weak, the leg's suddenly weak, mm-hmm. back is so debilitating, you just can't move at all, and day one, two, three is not improving. Those become more red flags. Hey, seek out seek out okay. some care. But, but the, the general muscle soreness, again, if you listen to your body, Make sure you're using proper technique, um, doing activities in a, in a sound way, going from concrete to a track with some give. Modifications like that, I think people could find more longevity in their activity and their sport. Okay, okay. Anything you want to add to that? No. Okay. no. I, mean, <laughs> I, I have back pain all the time. <laughs> you know, I try to, try to run and try to modify, you know, different things, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and listen, I, I'm, I'm aging as well. I, I, I felt aches and pains and uh I, something i didn't do much when i was younger was was stretch Oof, man okay that is key. I, I, I find i find stretching, stretching is key is, is, is key it has been paramount to giving me back some quality of life myself you know? <laughs> yeah and um um i i may not i may not run as much i enjoyed running on a track myself um but but i cycle mm-hmm. i encourage people to get back to swimming if they if there's mm-hmm. something they they can do um and uh and let me tell you, this, a walk, a nice long walk yep. to clear your head, yeah. it's healthy, it's good. And people, man, people they, they, they don't respect the benefits of a walk mm-hmm. because they think it's slow pace. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, man, a walk can change it. How do you think you've got to get somewhere? Yeah. I see it as, as long as you're making progress. Yeah. Forward progress, mm-hmm. certainly. you can't go wrong. Certainly, certainly. Or they'll make excuses as we don't have time. Because yeah. I'll do that. I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah. have time to go for a walk or anything. But no, I should appreciate that. No, absolutely. So we're almost done. Don't want to take up too much of your time. What's, what's new in the spine, bro, as far as like techniques, technology? What has evolved since the time when you have started? And where do you see like, you know, what, what's to come? I mean, I guess some 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 spine surgeries centers around the world are using like robots sure, sure and um sure. just what i mean what do you see what what do you see that so it's so coming from, what, from what's evolving so we we definitely have probably for the past 20 years really capitalized on minimally invasive procedures okay mm-hmm. that's a that's a big buzzword basically trying to do the least amount of soft tissue damage to get the spinal work done okay um so that that's been something that uh i i certainly practice and that has 
come about in our industry, but what technologies are out there to help us do that mm-hmm. have, have advanced. And uh, so there are, as you mentioned, robotic-assisted surgeries. Uh, there are tools um, that are even now bringing VR, virtual uh, reality, into the OR oh, wow. and allowing us to navigate uh, screw placement. Hmm. Um, and, and then there are uh, better tools or implants that allow more bone healing to occur. Um, so there are a couple parts to a spine surgery, um, if you will. There's certainly, hey, can we do this with minimal disruption to the surrounding tissue? Um, then there's also, can you actually get the work done, get the get the pressure off the nerve, mm-hmm. okay? And then, and then lastly, stabilization and healing of that area which you have intervened on. So you can imagine if we don't do a good dissection and, and also take care of the soft tissue, well, now you haven't left a good sustainable body after the surgery, mm-hmm. right? If I, if I destroy all your muscles going in, well, what, what, what moves your body yeah. afterwards, yeah. okay? Um, if, if I go in and I do something through such a small hole, but I don't take care of the disc bulge pressing mm-hmm. on the nerve, well, then that's a failure again, right? Well, what have you really done? You, you cut me open, but I still have the problem. And if we do another imaging, the disc is predominantly still there. You got you nipped it a little bit, but you left a lot of pathology. Now the nerve's still compressed. Mm. Another fail. If, uh, if you don't put in the screws right, regardless of whether it be VR, robotic, assisted with certain kind of imaging technology, or do it with direct visualization, if you don't put the screw in right, the construct fails. Hmm. You, you could have all the technology you want, mm. but you still have to execute it effectively. Mm. I got started years ago um, as a spine consultant, um, spine rep, and we were coming out with the artificial disc. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I know it's uh, probably I'll, I'll, I'll not doing those procedures not as yeah. much anymore. I'll, I'll speak to that here. That's a great question. But, but the, the last point after uh, talking about the instrumentation it's not always all about the instrumentation. Let's say all those other three factors are done, but if we were doing a spinal fusion, the, the fusion is the healing of the body thereafter. Mm-hmm. And if someone hasn't laid down good quality fusion mass, bone graft, things to help the body heal back together, uh, that could result in a, in a fail long term. Mm-hmm. And so the, all of these things are, are critical aspects of, of a successful spine surgery that you really want to vet or weigh um, or, is my doctor achieving that? Yeah. And, and are the reviews reflective of that? Mm-hmm. And, and so these are, are the complexities of what it takes to, to, to do a great surgery and have great outcomes and, and, and things that I, I take very serious in my practice. Um, but I want get, to get to your question about the, the dysarthroplasty. Um, I think for the many, many technologies out there, there there's a place for them. What is dysarthroplasty? What is that? Is yeah, great question. So um, if you can imagine blocks of bone, mm-hmm. which are your spine, they have um, what are called discs okay. uh, in between them. They're mm-hmm. cartilaginous or think of it maybe like a dense sponge, mm-hmm. okay. a dense sponge. Okay. And, and they, they uh, sit between the two bone segments. Mm-hmm. And they, they do have some give in them, motion in them, uh, compression ability within them. Uh, as they're, as you are a young individual, they're, they're hydrated. They have some fluid in them, giving, again, a, a bit of a bounce to it. Uh, that's an overly simplified uh, description of it. Okay. Well, well, those discs can degenerate, go bad. Now they become more rigid, stiff, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes it can result in pain. Even if they don't result in pain, they, they lose uh, some of their give, and the back gets stiffer. Mm-hmm. Disc arthroplasty, one of the goals of it were, would be to remove 
that no longer mobile or functional compressive disc and put in uh, another disc that uh, artificial disc that uh, gives some of that uh, small degree of motion mm -hmm. in it. Would you is that your understanding as you were selling such a product? It is, is that how yeah. you would have maybe promoted that to a surgeon like exactly. this is to pr provide again motion back at that okay. level. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so technologies such as disc arthroplasty do have their place in, in medicine. And uh, one of the, the beliefs behind it, um, it can prevent what is called adjacent segment disease, breakdown above or below where we've placed this device. Mm -hmm. um, there has been literature on both sides saying, hey, it doesn't really prevent adjacent segment disease. And some literature that says, hey, it does slow down the the actuality of further breakdown at another level. Where I stand on that is a few things. One, you're going to break down whether you had surgery or not. True. And so really it's about, hey, do we do we think that this is salvaging or making a significant enough difference? And I think that that decision or verdict is still kind of being figured out. Mm. Okay. But in regards to the indications for replacing a disc, let's say, Unfortunately, a younger individual who has no other pathology but that disc has degenerated and has led to some back pain. Um, if their joints in the back of the spine that glide and slide over each mm -hmm. other are still in good health, I think a disc arthroplasty is a fine mm -hmm. technique. And, and I share that with my patients to this day, like if I think they're a good candidate. Yeah. But if someone's already had back surgery, mm -hmm. say a disc was removed, portion of the disc was removed, mm -hmm. um, and the facet joint were somehow compromised, or the facet joint is actually the known source of pain, mm -hmm. well, taking out a bad disc and putting in a disc arthroplasty, but the facet joint that moves in the back is a source of pain, yeah. well, how does that address the source of pain? What Not do you think? Not at all. Not at all. Right. And so that's my goal. Just as I could sit here today and help mm -hmm. you understand that, I want to help my patients understand mm -hmm. the reason for the treatment. Yeah. yeah. And so if that were, that was a hypothetical situation. No, but, I, yeah. but if that was a source of pain and I put it in disarthroplasty, how did that help you? Nothing. Yeah. 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 And so unfortunately, this is where people get into the situation where they say, well, back surgery, failed back surgery doesn't work. Don't believe what they tell you. They'll tell you anything. You know, you're not. Yeah. Well, really, it's about did you get the right surgery? True. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, and so I, I oftentimes start with patients who've had previous surgery to understand what brought you in to have that first surgery. Mm -hmm. And was that addressed? Mm -hmm. That that's, that's so important to me. Yeah. I mean, did, did, you, did your leg actually get better? And, and sometimes, you know, they, they got everything that was meant to be achieved with that surgery. And I try to help them acknowledge that first before we ever talk about well, what's new <laughs> or what are we addressing. Yeah. Because I, I, I like setting realistic expectations. Yeah. Did I answer that question for Yo, you? you did. Right. Do patients ever come in asking for a certain type of procedure? Like, certainly. you know, they'll, they'll go on Google MD and say, yeah. hey, I want to, yeah. you know, uh, disc arthroplasty, <laughs> or they didn't want a fusion. So do they come in asking for, this is what I want? Like, do they know ahead of time what they want? Um, there definitely are um, patients who are aware of the many technologies out there mm -hmm. and ask for those specific technologies. And just as I explained to you mm -hmm. who I feel some technologies are right for, mm -hmm. I, I would do with them. And so I have, they have a similar device in the neck, for example, this arthroplasty in the neck. And I have helped individuals understand, hey, this is something you can consider as well. Mm -hmm. and, and then I really leave it to them to make yeah. an informed decision about their care. That, to me, is paramount. 
It's tough, though. I mean, and I say it's tough because I'm just thinking about the life of a surgeon right now. You, earlier you said you have to read, like, nonverbals. You know what I mean? They start talking, and, and then you have to communicate to them on this type of level and break it down to them. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just, yeah. It's an all-around game, man. Well, 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 <laughs> what, what, I, what I will share, that, that there, there's definitely a social aspect and rapport building mm-hmm. um, in, in this, but uh, but I thrive in that. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy meeting new people. I mean, goodness, uh, it's uh, it's it's... A joy for me, yeah. Um, but uh, but it is it is a lot to do. But um, I'm I'm living my I'm living the dream. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Well, do you have any lasting words for the listeners, or the physicians, patients, anyone out there? Yeah, listen. Um, for those out there who are are suffering with neck or back pain or arm numbness and tingling, leg numbness and tingling, not even sure if it's coming from your back. Mm-hmm. Um, something we do at Spine View in my practice, um, we also are doing a regenerative medicine mm-hmm. uh, for aches and joint pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. Um, and, and this is a non-operative modality, mm-hmm. trying to get the body to kind of reset and, and deal with the pain in a different way that doesn't involve surgery. So we are incorporating many modalities that are non-operative into the practice. But for those that do need surgery, we will help you understand what, what that looks like, mm-hmm. what, what's entailed, and, uh, and, and get you on that path to healing and getting back your, your life, yeah. your quality of life. I'm Dr. Sean Jones Quaidu, and uh, I'd love to be able to assist you on your journey and living a better life. Can you share your website? Yes, uh, my website website is www.spineviewtx.com, and that's spelled S-P-I-N-E-V-U-E-T-X.com, and uh, we'll be glad to get you in. Excellent. So, again, that's spineviewtx.com, right? Spine, S-P-I-N-E-V-U-E-T-X.com. You got it. In case y'all missed that. And your location for your practice? Um, so our primary office is in Dallas, Texas. Okay. Um, we're at, on the Presbyterian Dallas campus, Professional Building 4, Suite 230. The full address is 8440 Hill Lane. Again, uh, Suite 230, Dallas, Texas, 75231. And then we do have a satellite clinic in Frisco. We're at the Baylor Star uh, Medical Office Building in Frisco. And uh, we'll certainly be glad to get you in and get you taken care of. Oh, man, that was great. So make sure you guys go check them out. Excellent doctor. Um, if you have back pain or you know someone that has back pain that is considering surgery or, or wants to go see a doctor, make sure you go check out SpineViewTX.com. Yeah, we certainly we certainly do a lot of second opinions uh, in the office as well. And uh, and listen, even if it is a matter of co-signing what it is, the other surgeon's saying, I, I, I've done that and. I, I believe that there are great doctors also in our community, and um, we're, we're doing some great work here and helping people get back quality of life, and I, I hope to continue that here in the, the Dallas Metroplex area. I see people from all over the world, and uh, um, again, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to help heal, and I want to continue to do that. Thank you so much. Thank you. But before I let you go, right, you said you, uh, you know, when you work out, you hear the hip-hop. Yeah. So, East Coast... I gotta ask you the question. All right. Biggie or Tupac? Oh, I, shoot, I was going with Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's from Brooklyn. I already know where he's gonna go. Man, but nah, thank you so much, Dr. J. Absolutely. Absolutely.